Welcome to Success Hackers, cracking the entrepreneurial code, the podcast that's focused on empowering entrepreneurs to find the edge and take their business to a whole nother level. We're peeking behind the curtain to learn entrepreneurial shortcuts and success strategies from the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Get ready for mind-blowing entrepreneurial tips with your host, high-performance business coach, keynote speaker, and author, Scott Hansen. Showtime in three, two, one. Success Hackers Cracking the Entrepreneurial Code, number three. Good morning, good day, or good evening, depending on where and when in the world you're listening to this show. We are here to empower you to play big in life and take your business to new heights. And today, today, Hacker Nation is going to be really special. We have our featured guest of the day, Mr. J.D. Gershbein. J.D., are you ready to rock? I am happy to hack. Awesome, awesome. So J.D. Gershbein is the CEO of Aulich Communications. He is considered one of the world's top thought leaders on LinkedIn, which has earned him the moniker, the LinkedIn Catalyst. He is also a globally acclaimed social business psychologist, keynote speaker, and frequent broadcast media expert on LinkedIn for business, and a featured blogger for the Huffington Post and Forbes. Additionally, J.D. is adjunct professor of marketing communications at the IIT Stewart School of Business, where he's advancing social media marketing as an academic discipline. J.D. Gershbein, welcome to Success Hackers. It is great to have you. Delighted, Scott. Right back at you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, man, I'll tell you what. This was uh, this was quite the resume. I, I be, before we start, tell me how you got the moniker LinkedIn Catalyst. That's a heck of a title. <laughs> a little scientific, is it not? <laughs> um, well, I've always been told I have this ability to inspire and motivate, and I've built in a true motivational component into what I do. So, so for me, it's really not about just teaching people how to use a website, Scott. It's really about helping them mobilize and activate on the site and give them the inspiration they need and, and let them know that there really are possibilities to explore. I'm fascinated, really, with your background. Not only are you the authority figure when it comes to LinkedIn, but you have a background in social business psychology. I'm curious, how does the psychology background fit with what you're doing with helping people with their personal uh, branding, specifically around LinkedIn and social media? Well, I've always been fascinated by the mind. We all have one. Sometimes we use them in, uh, in varying degrees. But um, I studied psychology, industrial organizational psychology at uh, IIT. That was my first master's degree. And I've never worked as an industrial organizational psychologist, but I've always been in marketing communications, which is all about the message and reaching people and changing perceptions and that is psychology with a little bit of neuroscience thrown in for good measure uh, and that's always fascinated me mm. and when I got to LinkedIn or should I say when LinkedIn got to me it was just a beautiful blending of, uh, of what interested me and what I thought the site was all about and that's how I choose to uh, to teach it to folks. I'm glad you brought that up because LinkedIn is such a huge powerhouse when it comes to social media and obviously business and connections and there's probably a lot of things that most of us don't even know <laughs> exists within the LinkedIn world. Is there one or two things that maybe you can share with Hacker Nation that says you should be really participating in? 
I think that when people come to the site, Scott, they see this labyrinth, this maze, and they're not quite sure what to do. And, and they kind of start out on it, and they have good intentions, and then sooner or later they wind up hitting the wall, and they have a tendency to deflect the blame uh, on the site as opposed to themselves and really taking initiative and ownership and, and yes, accountability uh, for their actions and learning it. Whereas I can safely state there's no real magic bullet around all of this. There's no cookie-cutter methodology in learning LinkedIn. It's every individual's learning curve. It truly is. And the energy and the time that you allocate uh, ideally leads to results. Um, I wish I could tell your audience that there's a shortcut, uh, but there are little internal hacks that can be used along the way to create some, uh, some opportunities that otherwise would not exist. I have to ask you, so what is one of those things that you can tell our listeners that's one thing that they should absolutely be doing on LinkedIn? Well, the best route to success in using LinkedIn is to treat others the way that you would like to be treated. And man, does that sound hokey, but <laughs> that in essence is the golden rule. And that is not an easy cop out to your question. But truly, LinkedIn success begins at the first point of contact with someone. We're really just people trying to form professional relationships on this site, uh, and, and we tend to overthink it. So in inviting others to join your LinkedIn network, personalize the invitation. Do not send the default formulaic boilerplate prefab greeting. Give insight to how you know the person and why you feel connecting is a good idea. When you're on the receiving end of a generic invitation, perhaps you felt this way, perhaps the listeners have felt this way as well, you could reply before accepting to gain insight as to why that person wants to connect. We, we operate with so little evidence of motive on the site. We don't know why people want to connect with us. And wouldn't it be easier and wouldn't it make our lives so much easier if we knew why they sent out that invitation? And what I've done, which is a, has been a very successful hack for me, is I always send thank you notes to my new first degree connection, whether I've sent the invitation or whether I've received it. It's just a valuable touch point, really galvanizes the relationship. And that's really what it's about. It's staging touch points that sequentially lead somewhere, ideally to a collaboration or to a discussion about our service offerings. That was a huge golden nugget that JD just shared. So I hope... I hope you were paying attention. And just to recap, he said, rather than just a generic template that you normally send out to connect with someone and you click one of the buttons and says friend and then hits, you know, submit or send, you're actually saying, JD, don't just have the generic template. Actually customize it per the person that you want to connect with and, uh, and start to really develop this relationship with someone rather than just treating them as a number. I've done that from the start. I, I never had to read any blogs about it. In fact, I've written several. I, I wrote them years ago, and it's being unearthed today as if it were some great secret to personalize the invitation. And we talk in, in the LinkedIn space about building, managing, and leveraging a LinkedIn network. The building is easy. We're basically doing what LinkedIn is telling us to do. Managing, well, you get into a little bit of difficulty there. People have accrued deep and wide networks, 500, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 uh, people in their network. How on earth do you manage those folks? And then leveraging, that's where people paralyze because they don't quite know how to create a competitive advantage with the networks that they've built. So in my world, what I've tried to do is build, manage, and leverage right at the point of the invitation. Because these people now, the way I engage on LinkedIn and the way that it's kind of 
grown for me over time. I'm not interested in connecting for sport with people. I'm, I'm really interested in building something quickly and pulling that online conversation into the real world as soon as I can. And if people are willing to go there with me, I've got contenders. If they connect with me and I never hear from them again, I've got pretenders. Right. Contenders versus pretenders. <laughs> For me, for example, I coach business owners and help them sort of streamline their business and increase their revenue and get more clients and all that. And the first thing they ask, or one of the first things they ask me is, Scott, how do I use social media? And the first thing that they talk about is is LinkedIn and the importance of LinkedIn. And I think that there is so much coming at us. You can be on your smartphone all day long. You can be out networking. You can be out you know, going to different events and then you're supposed to spend X amount of time with social media and Twitter and on, on, on LinkedIn and Facebook and what that looks like. And I think a lot of times to your point, people can become sort of paralyzed. They know that they have to be on it, but they're really not sure what to do on it. It's amazing how productive we can be during the course of a day and get so little done, isn't mm. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Take us to that time where you had this fail forward stage and it was maybe a turning point or a, you know, a big portion of, of your career and you, you obviously continue to break through that barrier and continue forward. Well, I always knew something great was going to come out of this. And the first time I saw LinkedIn, I, it was basically love at first sight. And I knew that I needed to activate around it. And back in the in late 2006, when I had discovered LinkedIn, there was no outsourcing of LinkedIn profile writing. There was nobody ringing my phone to, to get any LinkedIn training for their team. So I was kind of out there studying it, learning it myself. And, and I've never been visionary with too much in my life, Scott, but I, I've, I, I hit it here. And at the time I saw LinkedIn, I was a marketing communications business owner, micro business owner, uh, scratching and clawing for any piece of business I could get at the headwaters of the recession. So when I came to LinkedIn, it was the right time for me, but it was not the right time for everyone else because people were worried. Uh, people were operating from a position of desperation and survival, and it was really tough times. I mean, if you rewind back to that uh, first part of 2007 into 2008, before we could talk about a rebounding economy, uh, people were in the dark about LinkedIn. I had people who were interested in what I was doing. I'd get up at networking events and talk about what I was doing, but, but the phone wasn't really ringing. I'm so competitive when it comes to stuff like this. I, I mean, I always had a real strong sense of, of what my strengths and weaknesses were in business, and this played right to my strengths, I have to tell you. But at the time when, when the times were lean and my wife would look at me and say, well, honey, what do I tell people that you do? And I would just say, oh, just tell them I'm in marketing or something like that. <laughs> I mean, nobody knew what LinkedIn was. It was remarkable. And, and the challenge in getting over that challenge was really selling myself. And it was, they were going to buy me before they bought any service that I offered. And I had to make the me part of it as strong as I could. So I leveraged LinkedIn to the fullest, to the hilt. And I evangelized my presence on the site to the 30-some million that were there at the time I joined it. And I started meeting with people. We'd go to a Panera's or a Starbucks and kind of all have our laptops and look at this thing and try to make some sense out of it. And I was the guy that somehow became the leader. 
I became the accidental leader in this, and I assume that responsibility, Scott, and I've become a very devout student of leadership in the last seven, eight years uh, at the time of this taping. So I think that, if, if anything, the Lean Times really motivated me. There was a lot on the line for me, providing for a family, and, and I really needed to make something happen. And it was the typical entrepreneurial drive. There was no fear. It was just full throttle, all systems go. Mm. I love that because it's, it's, it's everything we talk about on the show, J.D. It's, it's all about coming up against that, you know, I called it earlier, the terror barrier, that, that moment in your life where you're like, I'm trying to provide for my family. I'm trying to become a specialist in an area where a lot of people weren't really sure what it was yet, but I knew something deep down that if I continue to pursue and if I continue to study, and you mentioned leadership, if I continue to become a better leader, someone that people wanted to follow, that down the road, that my passion, my leadership, my foresight will ultimately kick in. And sure enough, when it comes to LinkedIn, I mean, my God, you're the LinkedIn catalyst. Yeah, I think passion is easy to declare. It, it's difficult to show and demonstrate at times with others. And for me, LinkedIn work is a composite of everything that I've been trained to do, truly, in school, out of school, my background growing up. I, everything comes together for me doing this work. And it is passion. It's a calling. It doesn't feel like work. So when you're operating from a place of passion, Scott, I really don't feel that there's any room for fear or terror. Mm. I always believed that I'd be successful. I always visualized what the transactions would look like, the handshakes that I would make, the, the, the audiences that I would be speaking in front of. I visualized all that. And I'm a huge proponent of the techniques and visualization. And I would encourage our listeners to, to do that as well. I, I mean, it, it truly became a self-fulfilling prophecy for me because I made it happen. I did what I needed to do. I didn't look back. I didn't look peripherally. I didn't, like Satchel Page would say, uh, who was gaining on me. I really moved forward, and, and I never let a negative thought enter my head during the whole process. We could probably end the interview right here. I mean, that was so profound, what you just said, and it's something that professional, personal development, whatever you want to call it, and your attitude is such a huge part of business success that I think a lot of times people want to rush and they want to know the skill sets. And I got to get over to LinkedIn. I got to learn LinkedIn. I got to learn Facebook. And I got to learn this. And I got to learn networking. And I got to learn all those things which are important. But I always say that success is an inside job. And it starts really with everything that you just mentioned, whether it was the words that you're sharing with us, which is so powerful. I'm going to make it happen no matter what. Even though I'm coming up against certain terror barriers or roadblocks or whatever, it doesn't matter. I already visualize. I already know what's about to happen. I just have to put one foot in front of the other. And it's Hacker Nation. This is huge. I really hope that you're really soaking this in because this is some great, great stuff from JD. And it's, it just, again, reaffirms that if you want to be successful, it always will and it always has started out with the right attitude, the right mindset to take you to where you want to go. Mindset is everything, and there's so many people who can train you in mindset, but I think mindset kind of comes from within. I, I, I'm not so sure you could plunk down hundreds of dollars to go to a mindset workshop and, and emerge with a better mindset. It just, it truly has to come from within, as you say. And, and I'll, I'll also say that there's a lot of great quotes out there on fear. And my, my favorite quote on fear is from the lead singer of The Doors, Jim Morrison, who said, expose yourself to your deepest fear. After that, fear has no power. 
and the fear of freedom shrinks and vanishes, you are free. That the fear of failure exists within everybody. Some vanquish it altogether, but it lingers for others. And, and I work with a lot of people now who need to push past fear. So I'm on the alleviating end. Their fear of putting themselves out there on a public forum like LinkedIn. So getting people to just push past their fears has become a big part of what I do, which is as far removed from learning a website as you can imagine. <laughs> Because it's, it's, again, it's life, it's business, it's interacting with human beings, it's sociology, anthropology, uh, psychology, all happening at once. And, and that's how we create unique business relationships. We meet the people who can drive us forward by what we observe on the site, how we represent on it, and whether we choose to move forward in connecting with them. I want to really hear a light bulb or an aha moment where... You knew that it was your calling. The phone wasn't ringing a lot, but you knew that you were in the right place at the right time. When did you have your first aha or light bulb moment? Sure, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting at the kitchen table with my wife just finishing up dinner, and my cell phone rang. Now, I'm, in a, I'm in about, uh, I'd say, four or five months after I hung up my shingle as a LinkedIn profile writer slash consultant slash coach slash actress dancer and the call was from a colleague of mine and he asked me how much do you charge to write a LinkedIn profile and I had to think about that because it was still really early into the venture and I wasn't quite sure what to really charge for my services it wasn't that I didn't see the value of it I just I truly didn't know what it was worth and I just kinda of threw out a price and when we were finished speaking he engaged me for the work he said okay you're on soldier and that's when the light bulb turned on. And I turned to my wife, Christine. I remember it as clear as day. And I just said, honey, I think I have a career here. I never looked back. <laughs> I, I went full force as a LinkedIn specialist, uh, branded very well early on. I have to say, I was doing a ton of networking back in those days, Scott. I mean, I was going to everything and anything. I had my, I had my calendar filled with events and then taking the coffees and the breakfasts and the lunches and the coffees and even more coffee. And I got home that night. I mean, night, night after night, I get home. I was so wired. I, I couldn't sleep. So I looked at LinkedIn all night long until I, I got tired and I pushed myself and I drove myself. And I became associated with LinkedIn. I stood for someone who believed in social networking, who understood the platform, who could teach it. And eventually that led to speaking engagements and uh, corporate training assignments. And, uh, you know, I started somewhere. <laughs> I took it upon myself to get good at it. And when it came to LinkedIn, I wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. And that's where the passion and the competitive drive kicked in. And, and again, I, I never look back. You've shared so many golden nuggets, but I really want to make sure, Hacker Nation, this is something that you want to take notes on and want to act on immediately. Because what we talk about on the show a lot, J.D., is you know, a lot of times as business owners and as entrepreneurs, we have the shiny object syndrome. And you know, you're, you're doing one business for six months and then you maybe get a little bored or maybe you don't taste the success you really want to taste or have. And then something else comes across your inbox and all of a sudden you're off to that thing and then you're off to another thing. One of the things that you just shared was so, so, so profound. I don't even know if you realize you shared that, which you said, I want to be the go-to person. I want to be the expert 
in LinkedIn. And I think that's so profound because we are always seeming to chase. And you said, I want to be the go-to person. I want to be the authority. I want to be the expert in one thing. And sure enough, because you became the expert in one thing, you became very niche-focused. You didn't go out and become the expert in Facebook and be the expert in Twitter, the expert in Pinterest, or I'm sure you're very good at all those things, but you said, I'm going to be the expert at one thing and that I want to have people come to me because I am the expert in this one thing, which is just genius. Yeah, I felt I had a responsibility. I I was learning the site and really within my community, both online and offline, I, I had some answers, and once you start answering a few questions, people start coming to you with greater regularity, and, and I took it upon myself to be that guy. I thought, okay, that's the challenge, that's the gauntlet, and if you're going to do this work, you're going to have to work with a lot of people who are, are really feeling pain and pressure in their professional lives, and they're starting to see this, this social networking as a kind of a panacea or kind of a way to get moving in their own careers and in their businesses. I did become the, the student of leadership. Mm. I, I kind of comported myself in that way, and I was, I was happy with that. Um, and, and I'll also say that once you do kind of demonstrate this, word gets around. And I would encourage anybody that if they're looking to become associated with something or stand for something, be a domain expert or a thought leader uh, or a trusted advisor or a problem solver extraordinaire. You have to elevate within your community. People have to see this. They have to know it. They have to feel it from you. And that's what people got from me, which was really a byproduct of the passion. Whenever I showed up, I stepped up. I I walked my talk. I I believe in what I stood for, and, and I became that guy. First and foremost, I help people gain clarity on their professional value and convey it in a way that makes sense for them so they can tell their stories better in the real world. And truthfully, this is exactly what happened to me, hackers. I saw the person that I was writing about in my LinkedIn profile, and I became that person. I embraced what I was talking about. I wasn't learning something for the sake of getting through a test. Every interaction I had was an audition for my products or services, and I had to be there. I had to individually sell myself, market myself, and talk a good game about myself. And really, LinkedIn empowered me. It emboldened me to do that because I could look at that person online, and I knew that I was being referenced in that way, and all I needed to do was live up to expectations, and I started to exceed them. J.D., one of the premises of the show, the premise of the show is not only to empower current or would-be entrepreneurs, but also to share certain shortcuts or hacks on really how they might be able to take their success to different levels. You've shared so many amazing golden nuggets with our listeners, but if someone's out there right now and they're saying, wow, this this guy is sharp, he's obviously the go-to expert when it comes to LinkedIn, personal branding guy on LinkedIn, he's very, very niche-oriented, and I, you know, someone's listening, they're saying, I know I need to be on LinkedIn, but I don't know what to do with it. They're saying I should be spending time on social media an hour, two hours a day. That's great, but I got 17 other plates that I'm spinning and I'm doing all these other things. What's the one thing you can tell Hacker Nation that's a must that they need to start doing besides the personalization of the greeting? What do they need to do? I'll just tease this by addressing the the time issue. Whatever 
professional goal or objective you've set for yourself, it can be achieved on LinkedIn because the market is clearly defined. So that said, you attach as much time as necessary. If you've only got 15 minutes in a day, make it the best, most focused 15 minutes of your day because there truly is gold in them thar hills. Uh, and if you're looking, if you're on the brink of becoming a dedicated user and you're looking for that one little tip that might push you over the cliff, pay attention to who's viewed your LinkedIn profile. It is the only metric that truly matters on LinkedIn. And I have been able to convert casual views of my profile to some of the most lucrative engagements I've had. I reviewed the profiles of those who visited me, determined which folks I would like to connect with. Now again, I have vetted them and I reached out to them. But I would influence a first degree connection on LinkedIn and drove the conversation forward. Sometimes I would reply before accepting and saying, Scott, saw you recently visiting my LinkedIn profile. Thanks for stopping by. If you feel that connecting with me is a good idea, please send me an invitation to connect and I will gladly accept. Now, what do you think my batting average was on a response like that? Almost a thousand. You got it. It was an offer they couldn't refuse at that. Right, right. And then I would thank them as per my uh, my personalized invitation process, and we would be into a conversation immediately. I would pull that conversation offline to regular email so they could see all of the great stuff in my email signature block, and they could do their continued homework on me. And I was into amazing conversations at warp speed. It wasn't like it took a couple of phone calls or a couple of email volleys. I mean, we were talking about collaboration possibilities quickly. And as it turned out, they were interested in my services or they were shopping me. And I was able to talk about my service offerings and I was able to market myself that way. So success hackers out there, pay attention to who's viewed your profile. If it's a good fit, if these people fall within your target market, if you have a good intuitive feel for just being in a good, meaningful conversation with them, then take the initiative, be proactive, reach out to those people. Otherwise, relationship could die on the vine and it could have been what if. That is so awesome. Thank you for sure. That It's something that I don't even do and it's something that I'm going to put into practice starting today. I mean, it, it, as a recap, like you mentioned, I see the people that have viewed me, but I don't do anything really about it. And what you're saying is take it one step further. The people that are viewing you are interested in most likely something you might have to offer. You have to assume that you, you have come to them in some way, whether it's through their own research, whether it's through the introduction of a colleague. And as you're reviewing and evaluating profiles, that's what you look at. You, you look at, well, who are we connected with in common? And you can search the connections of connections. So if this is a strong second-degree connection and you share connections to 20, 30, 40, 100 other first-degree connections, that's a good sign. And you're already presented with a conversation starter. Based on the number of connections we have, Scott, I can't help but feel that this could be a good first-degree connection. Great, 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 great advice. So we are going to now switch gears to the randomness round. Now, the randomness round, all about whatever comes to your mind, I want you to just blurt it out. I want you to answer. I don't want you to think about it. I want you to just go right after it. Are you ready for the randomness round, J.D.? Best advice you've ever received. The best advice I ever received was from my mom who told me to protect my intellectual property. The one device you cannot live without. Well, the easy answer would, would be to say my smartphone or my tablet. 
but I will say my microwave oven. <laughs> that is a first on Success Hackers. Okay, you now own a time machine. I want you to travel back in time when you were 25 years old again. What advice would your current self give your 25-year-old self? That, that's a very popular question, and I, I really haven't thought about it, but I would say just bring an open mind and a smile to every exchange. What's the one habit that you have that's contributed mostly to your success? I would say it's dressing well. Early in my 20s, I realized the importance of kind of looking good or dressing appropriately, and I've taken it upon myself to respect people with whom I meet or audiences in, in where I'm speaking, and I dress well. I'm, I'm interested in personal branding, and my apparel choices reflect that, and it's just because I care about me. <laughs> that <was my> habit. <laughs> okay. Last question of the randomness round. What's a hidden talent that you have that most people may not know about you? I play a kick-ass rockin' blues piano. Maybe if we have a second interview with Mr. J.D. Gershbein, we will actually have him play. Well, <laughs> I never met a keyboard I didn't like. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been incredible. You are now finished. You are off the hot seat, J.D., and uh, I can't thank you enough for your time and also sharing these incredible success strategies with our hacker nation where can our listeners find out more about you and your business please access me on linkedin because then you will be a profile view and we can engage on a much more accelerated level how about mm. that uh, I'll, I'll take a page out of my own playbook there i run a company called owlish communications which is www.owlishcommunications.com uh, I don't have a secretary. My phone number is on that site. You call me, you're going to get me on the other end. <laughs> so I'm always looking to interact and engage and, and have fun with, with fun and engaging people. Like yourself, Scott Hansen. This is quite an enjoyable podcast. <laughs> My sentiments exactly. Again, this has been incredible. Hacker Nation, make sure to head over to successhackers.net for this episode. Show notes and recap from today's interview along with other very cool resources that we have on the site. And don't forget, make sure to leave a review and a five-star rating on the iTunes page. Where is the iTunes page? Again, just go to successhackers.net, click on iTunes, and then subscribe, and you will now be part of Hacker Nation. By leaving a rating, by leaving a review, you will allow the show to grow and in turn allow us to impact more people from across the globe. You can also follow me on Twitter. You can hit me up. We can connect on Twitter at Scott Hansen 1210 at Scott Hansen 1210. This is Scott Hansen saying thanks again for listening to another episode of Success Hackers Cracking the Entrepreneurial Code. Until next time, go out and live with passion. <laughs>